Welcome to the Republican Professor. Today we have a very special guest, Mr. Dale Fincher. Super special. That's right. And it is good to see you. <laughs> I wish we were I uh, wish you were stopping by the house. We would have some coffee or some whiskey or rum. Wow. And uh, this would be a great conversation to just have in a living room, you know? Yeah. Sure. You've recently changed your Instagram handle from at voice of the second mm -hmm. to at charting Liberty. That's right. And uh, those people, the, the millions of people that are listening are probably confused right now. And uh, they're probably like, wait, I, I know that he was on twice last year one of the very amazing special recurring guests that we had. <laughs> and uh, now all of a sudden he's changing how we can find him on uh, Instagram and stuff. So what was the change? What prompted what the gets? change? Yeah. Uh, you know, that that's a good question. And I think that um. Part of it was I wanted to expand what I was talking about. So Voice of the Second is about, you know, speaking on behalf of the Second Amendment. And that's kind of how I started it. And I always find the Second Amendment, as I've shared before, it's like a litmus test of liberty in general and how well you trust other people. So that's if somebody's true. like, I'm totally, it's like, I'm totally against guns. It'd be like, okay, you're against guns for yourself or others. Well, I'm against other people having them. And it's like, okay, then. You're talking about except your for trust the government. Issues. Yes, except for the government. So their except trust the... issue is like I trust these people, but not these people. I don't yeah. trust my man, my neighbor mowing his lawn next door. But I definitely trust the faceless bureaucrat on the other side of the country that's extorting money from me every year at tax season. Yeah, the trillionaire. By the way, the government <laughs> is a the government is a trillionaire. Trillionaire. The one percent. Do you notice the government never pays taxes? That's amazing. Four trillion a year. It's amazing. Um, yeah. So I was like, you know, this is really cool. And I think, you know, I build up an audience kind of around this, even though I've talked around that theme a lot. But I wanted to have something that was a little bit more universal around all of my interests. And really, at the end of the day, as well as the beginning of it, <laughs> freedom is not about guns. Guns are just a thing, just happen to be a tool of the current era that helps secure freedom if you know what freedom is and can help repel slave masters if you know what those are. Uh, otherwise, the guns themselves are just tools that can be used and abused like everything else. So to me, and I've done a lot of other work, you know, in, in Christian apologetics and theology, philosophy, uh, gender and the Bible is really where the, my heart is at so much because I think we so many people get the Bible wrong and I think it's just like whoa if you got it right you would love this so I, I want to be able to bring all that together to say hey if we want to chart our course towards liberty we need to have the tools and the perspective of how that's done freedom is not an end it's a means to an end and the end is a good life and we need to be freed up to do good and be good. And that's what I'm after, finding our way. Freed up to be good and to do good. Yeah. Wow.
Is it hard to change your handle? I, I've never tried it before. Uh, no, you just go into your profile and you change it. <laughs> you just type it in and it tells you if it's been used or not. And then it'll tell you how long you have to wait before you're allowed to change it again. You just can't be playing hopscotch with handles. Yeah, so that's they, what I was wondering about. Okay. So yeah. there are some rules to it. Um, yeah, some minor rules. Okay. But overall, it's about the branding issue. You know, am I going to whiplash my audience? You know, how have, have people taken to my new brand, my new approach? I, you know, I feel like I'm still feeling it out a little bit, but um, I haven't lost followers over it by any means. You know, I feel like everybody's just kind of still hanging on and keeps me in there. They keep me in their feed. So I lose followers um, every day. Well, not every day, but like regularly I lose followers. I do too, but it's not over my brand change. I know that part, but yeah, shadow said, banning you, is real. You, you send us a, a survey out. How do you know you, how do you know? because <laughs> you, you watch you just you know when things are happening you're like oh all of a sudden this week they all went down but they didn't go down because of my brand change they went down because you're commenting on the wrong you know accounts oh. and you're resharing the wrong things and then you see a freeze on getting new followers and then they trickle down one two three four five over the course of you know weeks yeah, I'll, I'll put out a reel and I get 10 new followers and then I'll watch it all trickle back down to the number that I had, you know, over the next seven days. <laughs> wow. I know it's like this many, but no more. That's kind of the the algorithm. Jeez. Wow. Yeah, I've learned to, well, you're, you're like a, such a digital native. You're talking about reels and changing handles. Uh, yeah. You're, are you a millennial? No, <laughs> I, you know, I'm a Gen X, you know, just like you, we're like, we have one foot in the millennial world and one foot in the, uh, in the, in whatever that weird boomer world that, you know, all yeah. of our parents who, who, uh, did not get to experience anything yeah. beyond America online. Right. Yeah. They're still so, stuck on it. I, I family members still using America online, believe it or not, it, it still exists. Wow. Really? Yeah, yeah. Remember the CD that would come in the mail? Uh huh. You know, give you like thirty free days. Yeah, I, Is I that have the, a family member. You're talking about AOL. AOL. So yeah, that that was the famous. Uh, you got mail. You know the. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah, we had that for a while. Yeah, me too. Back in the day. Huh. Yeah. Well, Dale, do you want to talk about your plans for next year? You're, yeah, in Ex sure. you're in Exeter, New Hampshire. Yes, up in and Exeter. For those people that don't like maps, don't like looking at maps, they might not realize that that has a coastline, right? There's a little bit. Yeah, of near the coast. Yeah, about an hour north of Boston, right on the uh, New Hampshire coast. New Hampshire only has like 21 miles of coastline. It's really small as far as beach goes. Yeah, but uh, more than they I have know. a giant. They have a giant bay that goes inland, which kind of counts. And Exeter, where we are, actually has a tidal river that flows all the way in. And this was the capital of the colonies during the Revolutionary War for a short spell because the British were pounding on Portsmouth, which is right next to the ocean. But we could still get all our ships all the way up this tidal river to Exeter. And so this was a claim to fame for a little bit. Hmm. Kind of cool. So it's wild to go down to the river and watch it. it it'll fluctuate like six to eight feet depending on the day 
And we have seals out there now, a couple bald eagles. No way. Pretty cool. Sweet. Yeah. Bald eagles. We, it's just almost as cool as Colorado, where we moved from. Praise God. It's hard to understand the the move from Colorado, from my perspective, just because you had such an awesome piece of land up there. Yeah, it was great. Heartbreaking. Yeah. But I know, I I don't know if you were heartbroken about it, but I would have been. I was sad about, you know, whenever you live on land, you you grow attached to it. It becomes a, a, you know, part of you and it teaches you and informs you. But after a while, it became a burden. It was just too much. And, uh, you know, we, we originally bought it to serve people with. We wanted to set up a retreat center and all that, but that it, it just never panned out. And so after a while, you're like, I can't take this. The vision is not unfolding and I can't take care of it myself. Yeah. Otherwise, you become a slave to the land. And mm. it was like, I don't think I think this needs to be passed off to other people who could appreciate it. And we need to I need to put my focus on my kids more than on felling trees and cutting firewood. Hmm. OK. Priorities, you know. So what's the new plan? You've been in New Hampshire for two years. Yeah. So what's the new plan? I know, you know, I would, I would love to settle down somewhere for a long time, but I feel like life's too short for that yet. So charting Liberty is also is an allusion to the idea of charts that the sailors would pull out and you have to map the charts and figure out your navigational route so you can get from point A to point B. And so that's what we're doing next year. We, uh, this has been in the works for years, but next year we're going getting on a sailboat and we're going to live the boat life for a while and see where that takes us. But it'll be total live aboard. That's going to be our home. We're going to travel up and down the East Coast to start out with and really kind of get our bearings, more nautical terms, go down to the Caribbean. And if if we are loving it, maybe scoot through the Panama Canal and go to the South Pacific, which would be wild. Maybe go up to the coast of California, maybe come see you guys. But yeah, that's that's the plan. Let my kids live on a boat, let them learn navigation, let them learn independence, let them be exposed to different cultures, different foods. And thankfully, because of the internet, we can do everything we do now while we're on the go. And we want, and our plan is to share our journey. So we plan on starting a YouTube channel it's ambitious, but starting one and telling a story of this is where we're going. This is what we're doing and make it, make it fun and invite people along. That sounds like an interesting, okay. So the branding is for the, for the, what you're preparing for, for next year. Partly, on YouTube yeah, yeah. And all that. So you're going to yeah. have like uh, beer mugs and, and t-shirts and stuff like that. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Just for so you. It, I'm the thinking cozies. changing my, my at sign is, is uh, charting. Are? Is charting tyranny taken? Have you? Have you uh, that, I don't think that's taken. No, I think right. it's wide open. Great opportunity for you. Well, I've just been changing my mind about a few things, and I just uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Obama you know, really was pretty awesome. <laughs> it was amazing. You know what I love is when I talk to my accountant at the end of the year, and we talk about capital gains tax, and he's like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> here's your capital gains tax." I'm like, "Oh good, it's only twenty percent only." And it's like, oh, but by the way, the Obamacare tax always gets added on another 4% to your capital gains tax. <laughs> like, why don't we just call all of it capital gains tax? Because it's always glued to your capital gains. Huh. I didn't know that about Obamacare. Hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's an ugly, sneaky little tax, and it's substantial. 
that they wow. add on there. Four four percent. I mean, it's about like three point eight, something like that. But still, so yeah, that's and I don't even I don't even use the normal healthcare system. So I am paying. I pay. We pay for all sorts of things that we never use, and the money's going to build up these wonderful suburbs around Washington D.C. It's just it's, it's exacerbating. I'm I'm you know why don't we have a march against taxes every every spring like we do like a march for life? Because I think that a march against taxes might actually produce more life and might actually save more babies because we can have we'll have more resources to do so. Well, we the just answer- don't have that. The answer to your question is that people have a low attention span. And like you said, life is short. So you put those two things together and people just cannot absorb what you're talking about there. If they have a W2, they think, I mean, I know, I know for a fact when I had my, when I was first out of high school and I had a W2 for years and years. Uh, everybody I worked with would get a tax refund, especially if they had kids. Yeah. And I mean, I had a lot of kids, but I didn't know where they were. So I didn't get, I didn't get the refund. Just kidding. Wow. That was a really bad joke. Sorry, everybody. But, um, no, but, uh, I was in the Navy, so that's a Navy joke and it's a stupid joke. Um, I did not, I was nothing like the stereotypical sailor, but. Um, Thankfully. One, one time I was, one time I was in my uniform going to work and uh, man, I, I don't, I was upset about something and I, I did uh cuss. I think I said it was the first time I said the F word around my wife who was raised Southern Baptist. And she said, you cuss like a sailor. And she said, it <laughs> she really seriously. And then I was like, well, at least I'm doing something right in, in my yeah, job. There you go. That was on my anyway, uh, so, you know, I mean, yeah, so it was a W-2 and, I, and everybody, everybody in the military is a W-2 and um, that, that mentality was all throughout the military. What I, I can't wait for that tax refund and that's what you're going to buy the computer with. And actually right. that is what I bought my first computer with. And, you know, that's what we're going to go on the trip to Disneyland with and all that stuff. And. And they just don't think in terms of what you're talking about. Maybe one or two do, uh, but yeah. that's very rare. Very rare. Those are the people that would, it, it would be very rare that you'd find someone in the military that bought a rental property, for example, or yeah. something like that where they're, yeah. they're uh, and you know, I mean, you, your, your time is taken up and your energy is taken up entirely you know so you just don't think about how yeah. other people experience taxes that's just not on your oh radar. sure yeah 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 and there can be uh, and, and i think professors are the same way like the w2 professors that i've uh, those yeah. two groups i've been around the most uh professors a lot longer than uh, i was in the navy for six over six years and um and i I was uh, on the campuses for over 15 closer to 20 actually and the professors they don't think about they don't think in terms of investment they were very much like the military people wow um they and they just I, they have a lot more time to think about things so it's just a little bit weird that they don't but um i think they're there's so much group think that they don't 
think about it. Yeah. How well, other I don't people... think you could, I don't know how we could be free if we don't think about it. Cause you have to no. think about your chains in order to be free. And even <laughs> if you can't get out of them, it's one thing to say, yeah, I'm stuck in the employee system and I don't know how to get out of it. But at least knowing that you're stuck in an employee system, that begins to germinate the creativity and the virtue to say, I need to at least start liberating myself. And one way is to say tax refunds aren't tax refunds. They're somebody <laughs> stole your money from you and they're giving it back to you. And it's not even a bonus. It's like, that is money that was supposed to be in your savings account and somebody else got all the interest on it. And uh, it's, have it's, you, it's have just, you ever been a, have you ever been a W2 employee? Oh yeah. 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 Um, did you encounter that kind of attitude when you were, I don't know if you had coworkers, I guess I didn't know what you did. Yeah. But. Yeah. No, I had coworkers too. Um, yeah. You know, I did not, even in my, my own self, because I was less developed as a person and I didn't understand how far this Liberty stuff went. Okay. I, even in, in that, you know, that, that era, I did not several eras. I did not, uh, I didn't like it, but, you know, growing up in an evangelical world, even evangelicals are notorious in making excuses for this. They'll quote Romans 13, you know, they say the, we're supposed to submit to the authority over us and the powers yeah. that be are ordained of God. And Jesus said, give the Caesar what Caesar's and this is Caesar and he's been ordained by God. Therefore pay your taxes. It's your duty. Mm-hmm. You're like, wow, that was a lot of mental gymnastics and, you know, brutal exegesis to get to a point where you turn your conscience off and say, God wants me to be a slave today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I grew up in that environment and it wasn't until much later that I said, wait a second, we're not even thinking biblically about this idea. We've misconstrued Jesus, misconstrued Paul, and we're accepting Caesar's boot on the necks of God's people to start with. And uh, and we just accept it. It's kind of like in Truman Show. You remember Truman Show and Ed Harris, who plays, you know, the guy who's running the show. He's like, we accept that. the world as it's presented to us. Mm-hmm. And that's the way I think most of us are. And, th- and we should as children. We accept the world as it's presented to us. And then we should begin to examine it. This is one area that is so easy to examine that your labor and your private property and your person belongs to you and throwing it off to somebody else far away who's looking out for you is just a giant codependent mess. Well, I'm just going to play angel's advocate real quick. Okay. The yes. devil has too yes, many chart, words. Charting liberty. I mean, char- charting tyranny and the angel's advocate. <laughs> yeah. Angel's advocate. <laughs> um, well, we know, you know, we like to redefine terms, right? Um, Absolutely. Well, I still think gay means happy. <laughs> me too. And it's still in the dictionary. It's, it's so lovely. And rainbows still mean God, God's promise. Sorry, sorry to get off on this tangent, everybody, but I've been working on the the definition of marriage uh, series I'm doing. And one of the things that I've pointed out is very subtle. We're going to get back to the little thing I was talking about with taxes. We're going to get back to taxes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about rainbow stuff. The Bible. But this is June 30th, and we still have one day left to talk about because they leave us alone the rest of the year. So 
Uh, well, you know, it probably they're, they're, too, they're busy. Season. They're busy redefining their own flag the rest of the year. They can't even keep the same flag for more than two years, let alone the same language, the English language. But anyway, uh, so Funk and Wagnall's uh, desk dictionary, I brought it in to my classes. It's 1984, and it's perfectly fine to ask what date, as if the English language is entirely overhauled every day um you know but uh it's fine whatever i bring it in and i read the definition of gay and this is a dictionary that i had on my desk throughout my entire k through 12 years yeah well actually 19 not not before 1984 i was in fourth grade in 1984 so you had a big desk well it, it it served me well. The word gay had one meaning and it meant cheerful, gay, happy, or sorry, not gay, but cheerful, happy, merry, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. The Flintstones. And have a gay old time. That's right. And this is 1984 during the AIDS scare. And, you know, AIDS was originally called grids, right? gay related community. Yeah, that was originally Uh what it was called. And they redefined that in the early eighties because they, because of a very powerful lobby, but originally it was called grids. Mm -hmm. And, uh, well, anyway, so this is 1984 and marriage, a union between a man and a woman. In fact, I have the dictionary right here. I have that same. It's the same one yeah. I had. I saw you, you took pictures of it. You shared and it under, in between a man and a woman yeah. by which they become husband and wife. And so I tell my students, I said, I think every marriage should be as gay as possible. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and they look at me like they look to the left. They look to the right. They're remembering what we just said. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, my gosh, that's true. And some of them are like, wait, you're playing with language. And I'm like, no, I'm using language. I'm using the English language. Now look at your how triggered you are by me using a, yeah. your own language. Yeah. Anyway, so talk about 1984. So the now later de- definitions, later dictionaries. This is from 1993. This is a Merriam-Webster uh, dictionary from 1993. And it, it has added a secondary definition, which meant homosexual. But they didn't replace that other definition. The primary. Now, if you look at marriage, the definition is being replaced. It's not being mm-hmm. added to. So, for example, uh, I'm on an Apple computer and um, Steve Jobs goes to the grocery store He's in the fruit section. He sees an apple. He's like, I know I'll, I'll, I'll name my computer company after an apple. And then now it takes on that spelling. Apple takes on an additional meaning. That's right. Computer, right? Type of computer. Well, but it didn't replace apple. Mm. Right. The, the name, the, the term in English. Right. The term is in Black's Law Dictionary, which is right here. Because of apple cider, it's regulated. You know, to your point about mm-hmm. taxes. Um, there you go. It's the same definition, but marriage 
spouse, widow, widower. The word widow in Oxford English Dictionary right here. The word widow is a woman who has lost her husband and has not remarried. The word widower is a man who has lost his wife and has not remarried. This is 2015. The year Obergefell. They haven't got, they haven't got to it yet, right? <laughs> so now they're redefining those terms and they're excluding the older terms so that the younger kids don't don't have any record and that's just not normally how language develops usually it's the the additional senses are added to it but not replacing them yeah. and that's what bothers me that's the 1984 and it's very subtle and because everything's online people don't notice because you can update it like at 2 a.m and then you know the next batch of kids at checkdictionary.com or whatever it is they they don't notice that and there's an That's agenda. Right. There's kind of, you know, you can sense an agenda. Huge. Yeah. Let's go back sense. to taxes. Let's go back to taxes. Um, so Bible, Romans 13. Yeah, yeah. You don't mind? I don't mind. Okay. Pay unto Caesar what is Caesar's, what to, to unto God what is God's. Yeah. The thing is, is that I'm, I'm going to say that the Bible is just unclear. Uh -huh. And so because of like low attention span, of course, people might get that wrong because Jesus never ever, ever actually says that what you, what your labor, you know, is yours. And, 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 and so he never, he never tells you exactly what the answer is. So, and he's answering the Pharisees or the, yes, who are trying to trap him. So he's not actually giving any type of doctrine. Mm -hmm. He's giving a statement to wiggle between the people who are hitting violence against him so that he creates a dilemma for them and dissipate. And he's, he's, de he's de-escalating a situation. He's not giving a Christian teaching. That would be, that's the way the context is written. Right. But I mean, he's also, he's, he's, he's also making a point though. Like he says, look at the coin who's yeah what is on he, it. yep 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 and i think he's drawing attention to the social fact that you're born into is that this whole money thing is a government thing right so you're already and not just a government but it was it was rome their empire over israel's nation so you have actually a double government going on there. And Israel is always called to be faithful to their people. and But to be faithful to this pagan oppressor that's over them, and Israel could still use their own money and everything else. But again, they were trying to make Jesus look like a revolutionary against Rome. And what's brilliant about Jesus is he doesn't talk about the, all the Gentiles and their problems. He's like, look, that's a Caesar thing. You go deal with Caesar stuff over there. I am here for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And that's his emphasis from beginning to end, because he is their king. He is their government. He is establishing himself as that person. So the whole idea of a Jewish person being commanded, you must do this because that is the authority that has been given to you, is preposterous. There's nothing in the law of Moses anywhere that says you must pay tribute to a pagan king from the outside. 
but you're using that money to buy food and stuff like that. And it's got Caesar's face on it. Yeah. But he so, obviously doesn't, you don't give all, if it's an agreed upon exchange, if he's been confiscating Jewish money, then they're like, well, this is really Jewish money with Caesar's face on it. Right. But he, he is, I don't think he's talking about money though. I mean, he's using it as a metaphor, but he's really talking about what's the reference point here. If you want to do Caesar stuff, go to Caesar stuff, but I'm not standing up against Caesar. That's not what my mission is about. That's how I would argue with it. And I no, think yeah. if we make it about money, right. then I think we're kind of derailing the actual context of that discussion. Sure. But mm -hmm. you've had a lot, you have a longer attention span, probably because you've had more time to read it and think about it for 2000 years. I mean, think about people struggling to understand what that is. I think the first century people would have a hard time understanding because what um, Jesus was saying, I don't yeah, think so. Because, nah. because the rest of that passage is give what is got to God, what is God's mm -hmm. and which none of them were doing. Which they're is why going, they're it, going yeah. to use the coins with Caesar's face on it to buy stuff that they're going to sacrifice in the temple sure. or whatever yeah. the offerings. Yeah. So, yeah. what is God's? Yes. What is that? Yeah. How do I know? Yeah. Um, slavery exists. This is what it is. I we might not prefer it, but what do we do? Yeah. What, what, what concretely do I do today, tomorrow? Um, there's no, there's no guidance there. And about how to get, how to become free of slavery, whether it be the tax well, slave or anything else. I, I would say in general about civil rights, just in general, what we call civil rights, like people yeah. have a very low attention span about that too. And I'm not, yeah. I, I am only complaining about it because I'm, I'm a, an educator and, and I'd rather people have longer attention span, but I have, I have a pretty, I have my own very serious limitations on this stuff too. And I've tried my hardest and, and I've seen a pattern in church history where there is a go along to get along kind of attitude and, you know, and then over time there's, there's the frustration grows about what the the status quo is allowing St slavery is one of those things but it, it's all sorts of other things too like you oh, know yeah. indulgences and everything else yeah yeah and so there's just been this like really uh crazy story of throughout church history of uh not having clear guidance on how far to push and how what we should do to push to have uh, freedom and it's not clear what that looks like in this life yeah that's my that's how i look at it right so i well, have i do think that there are there are moments along the way but i agree if it's if, if we'd be idealists about freedom to say tomorrow let's make everything right obviously that doesn't work people are like honestly like i just say people as groups are almost like cattle in the way of like, you got to kind of nudge them in a certain direction because they all just start to scatter when you throw. Um, new ideas into the arena. Everybody starts freaking out. Their emotions start freaking out. Their own little family structure, their job structure, their the whole place they've carved out for themselves is, is suddenly shaky sand. And they don't know what to do about it. So they freak out. I totally get it. Yep. But I do think that when I look over the course of church history, that like, 
there were bad decisions and bad ideas that were made and implemented. Even if you were to walk into an evangelical church today, which I've done many, many times and have been involved in for many years, when you go in, you hear all sorts of goofy stuff. You're like, well, how did we get here? Because even people with a short attention spans have so internalized so much of the goofy stuff, they think it's the norm. Give an example of a goofy stuff. Oh, gosh. You have to put money in the offering plate. That's a goofy thing. I mean, uh, the whole idea that elders in the scripture is the same thing as this board of directors in a nonprofit. That's a goofy thing. You know, like nobody's even questioning that kind of stuff. Or that, you know, when uh, you turn on K-Love, you know, God bless him. When you listen to K-Love, John and I talk about this a lot or have. We don't spend much time talking about it because it's so funny, but it's, there's two themes on K-Love. One, all the songs and all the, all the, all the transitions are about people who are suffering and, and people who are sinning. And both of them are on the brink of losing their faith. That's their audience. And so that's what the whole Christian life is about for that audience, which represents millions upon millions upon millions. And they tap into that. And so they think to themselves, the reason, the only way I can stay on track is if I go to church on Sunday and get all pumped up, built up with some, what we call Bible teaching, which ends up being somebody reading a Bible verse and then going off on their long, you know, 30 minute tangent and singing worship songs. That's going to pump me up so I can become a righteous person this week, but I'm going to get deflated through the week and then I have to get pumped up again. That is goofy things about what this journey with God means. So, but that's part of the liturgy and the theology that most people live under, but it's been absorbed and accepted rather than challenged. There's been people who have been challenging it. You have the Dallas Willards out there, even the C.S. Lewis's. But, you know, C.S. Lewis was very concerned about the direction the church was going. It was swallowing all these short attention spans were swallowing all sorts of Marxist, anti-realist, postmodern nonsense and willing to accept the absolute distortion of what the Bible is up to. Um, they're getting that, it taught somewhere. Do you think that Go Dallas ahead. Willard and, and C.S. Lewis, I'm sorry, did you say that the, the offering plate was goofy? I think that's, did, I did think I that's goofy. That? Yeah, that, that idea that you have to give, giving to the offering plate means giving it to God. As if there's no other way to give it to God, or as if you need to oh. give them 10% of it only to the church building facility okay. and those who are employed I there. That's what I mean by not donations. Not I wanted donations, to dig into that a little bit because I was yeah. I was confused about what you were saying. Like I I didn't understand what was goofy about the offering um offering money to the church. Um yes. I don't think that Dallas Willard and C. S. Lewis would uh where where do you think that they would think that's goofy? Or did I misunderstand you? No, I think, I mean, I, I can't speak to where they're speak where they address it specifically because they're addressing much weightier matters about where everything's gone goofy. Right. But on that, that one in particular, you know, yeah, donate to whatever you think you should donate to. Right. To further the causes that you believe in as you are faithful to God. But to think that, I mean, the, the whole nomenclature of the offering plate traditionally in the evangelical church has been take 10% and they borrow it from Jewish law. It's a, it's a stretch, but they draw it oh, from a, that. You got to give ten percent. It's the ten percent. It's not the plate that you're. 
Yes. Well, the play represents many things. One, it has to be 10 percent. Two, to give it to God, you got to give it to the church building. Those are two ideas that are like that is has nothing to do with the Christian journey. That is that's a good way to get money to raise money for your church building and staff. Mm-hmm. But I, I find that right. to be it's it's outside the scope of the context of the New Testament, for sure, for me, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. And and can you drill down a little bit more and say more about that? I, I don't normally like making a comment like that, but I'm interested in in what is it about the church building and the staff that, that bugs you about it? Oh, I think you're... Uh, we just cut out there for a second. Can you repeat that question? Oh, sure. What is it about the church building? Oh, no, you cut out again. Okay. Is it my fault? Is it my oh. fault? Okay, I can hear you now. Should I click a wrong button or something? Well, I'm around people that I'm around people on the campuses that get really testy with there. There's not free speech on the campuses. And so I want to make sure yeah. that you, you know, that we're still friends here, but, uh, <laughs> we I, got I'm, cut I'm, off just because of bad reception. So I'm, I'm on church it. staff. I'm, I'm a paid yes. church staff. I, I'm yes. going to be preaching yes. this Sunday. Yes. Yep. And, um, and it's very difficult to make a living. I think it would be impossible for us to be here and have a yeah. presence in this community. We have yeah. a homeless uh, ministry outreach um, where our our uh, focus is to be with the homeless. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and the 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 woman that is the director of that program. Um, has given sacrificially to it and and it's um it's not really to solve the problem because uh, the problem the the causes of the problem are beyond our ability to solve it that's right it's not about homes um well it's not about all sorts of things like yeah. drug addiction and mental health and and government getting in the way of solving the problem and yeah. so on and so forth so what we're doing is we're showing up in the problem uh, and hopefully we're embodying the presence of, of God to these mm-hmm. people that yeah. oftentimes are having a really hard time and life has, has taken a turn that they didn't expect and their friends disappeared and they didn't have family. And uh, there's a lot of people in that situation and, yeah. um, and they just appreciate someone who knows their name. And uh, so, but that does take money. It takes a building, right. it takes a parking lot, it takes easy ups and it takes food, it takes uh, hand sanitizer and, and it takes uh, little vanity kits that we hand out and toothpaste and toothbrushes we hand out and socks. They mainly need mm-hmm. socks. Sometimes they need really warm jackets. And they need a smile and, uh, the food helps with all that coffee, you know, so that's all has to be purchased. And I, I have, to, I'm, I'm often not for the homeless ministry, but I, I'm the one that purchases stuff for the church. I go and I, I, um, I, uh, I have to purchase it and mm-hmm. something with a bank, some, some, you know, the word visas, um, it's not Caesar. It's it's visa, 
or mm-hmm. MasterCard or it's American Express. It's it's something, you know. If I use cash, it's got a president's face on it. Um but so I've really thought about this and I, you know, I don't know what you think about what I've just said, but uh, yeah. maybe maybe you can just respond to that if you want. Sure. Well, I let me just say I think that's great. <laughs> <laughs> I think that uh I think it's was it was it uh Bastiat the 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 um French economist like the 1840s when he wrote the law he says just because you don't want the government to do something doesn't mean you want that something you don't want that something done right like just because you don't want the government building your roads doesn't mean you don't want good roads and it's, I think it's easy for us to get kind of in that little rut thinking. And again, it's the short attention span, no doubt, where you're kind of saying, hey, look at the, this thing is kind of getting done in a quasi way. And in your mind, you might be thinking maybe it could be done better. And somebody else says, well, you must not believe that that should be done because that they're the only ones doing it. So I think that's a difficult thing when it comes to government. I think it is a difficult thing when it comes to church to think that this is the way it's done. So if you think that the only way you can help homeless people is by donating money to a particular organization and thinking that God is telling you that is the only organization you are allowed to donate to, whether they're doing a good job or a bad job, that that is a uh, that's well, I would call that spiritual abuse. It's abusing somebody's own conscience, reason and even their generosity to see a need and be able to fulfill it. So when I see what you're saying, I would think those people who truly are thinking, I want to help the homeless in an intentional way. And I don't know how to organize this myself, but I see people who are organized doing it. I want to get involved because they're doing it well. Here are some of my resources. And when I have time, I'll show up for that too. I think they should give that, but I don't think they should give it because the word church is written on it. They should give it because they see good work happening. And that historically is what was called charity. Charity, you know, we talk about giving to charities and we think of them as organizations now, but that's not what it meant. It meant yeah. charity literally means love. How can I show love to the people who need it in my community? Yeah. And so we organize and we get it done. And so that what you're doing, I think is fantastic. Whether you do it through a church vehicle or do it through another nonprofit vehicle or even just do it on your own. Mm-hmm. All of those count because you're trying to get the job done and to say it must be funneled yeah. only into one. That to me is where the disservice is at. Yeah, so it's a difference between tithe and charity. Sure, yeah. Yeah, that, that would be one, yeah. I I've been reading the uh the Law of Moses to my boys over the last year. It's been awesome. Who would have thought your my boys would enjoy listening to Leviticus? But I read it to them and we talk about it. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we stumbled upon and I don't remember hearing this and I know I've read it before but it never registered with me because I probably had to read it for a classroom assignment. It was when they bring their first fruits, they don't bring them as a sacrifice. They bring them to God so they could party together with God. And you're like, look at all the cool stuff that just came off. I want you to bring a tenth of all this stuff. And I want you, the tenth, I want you to bring it to me. And we're going to have a gigantic feast before God, it says. So you're having this wonderful party. God is the the guest of honor. This is all for him. And he's saying, be lavish with what I've given you because there's always going to be more of it. Because the promised land was about God will be your gardener and your guardian. As long as you follow me, 
You don't have to worry about anything. I found that to be such a beautiful perspective of what God is up to when he is asking us to be generous. Now, every third year, you take that tenth and you put it in the storehouses for other people in the community who need to party with God too, and who, who have the need for food, who are hard up, whatever. But that's only every third year. Before that, the tenth, the tithe went to the lavish banquet, worshiping God and enjoying the fruit that he has provided. Isn't that awesome? I mean, is that that is so liberating. He, he says throughout, always be looking out for your neighbor. Always be looking out for your brothers and sisters. Because in Israel, we are all on the same team. We all have the same mission. We are a light to the nations to reveal to them what God is like. We all need to get along very well because the promise of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob all came to us. So don't shaft anybody. Don't create debts that are too high for everybody. Everybody's let off the hook after seven years. If you have a debt, you could be an indentured servant. By seven, once the seven-year mark happens, you're free. It's just this constant give and take, mutual respect, give to the needs, but not extracted from you in some sort of like a tyrannical way. It's just it's it's an incredible society that Moses was writing about. That yeah. uh, they never quite achieved that, but the vision right. is there in the law. Huh. Well. Uh, there's also parts and you've seen Levit. uh, you know, there's uh second Corinthians there, there's second Leviticus. I don't know if you've seen that where they give to no. Ukraine, they give money to Ukraine. Oh, do they really? Wow. And there's That's also amazing. a big public health bureaucracy that gets, uh, started there. Yes. And, uh, Oh, that's in numbers. That's second half of numbers. Is it second numbers? Yeah. Okay, yeah, gotcha. yeah. 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 Yeah, that's it. I, I love the the Torah. I don't think you can go wrong with with studying the Torah. You I think that, that's awesome that what you're doing for your boys. That's yeah. a great foundation. It's you can't understand the Bible without Torah. I've come to that conclusion. Yeah. I mean, you can't really get into it. Even True. Jesus, you're like that dude. Jesus is always talking about Moses, yeah. <laughs> but we never end up reading Moses. You're like you gotta read him because Jesus Jesus is a Moses scholar. You know? Yeah, yeah. You have to be even to talk back then yeah that's that's great stuff and i can't tell you how many yeah. conversations i've been in with the bible where they pull some random thing out of the first five books of the bible and they go what about yeah but it also says this yes you know also said this <laughs> you you believe in creation well it also says this uh-huh. oh well then sure then we must have it must have been life came from non-life must that must have been <laughs> i love that argument yeah some obscure yeah. law about property law or even rape and all Therefore, of a sudden God the... create the universe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You hate Republicans. I, I get it. And therefore survival of the fittest is true and the weak right. die and the strong survive. Yeah. That's, that's what right. gender is a social construct. That's what yeah. you're teaching in public school as the true religion. Not yeah, me. That's is. not what I'm teaching, but that's what you yeah. want to be taught. Sure. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're just a bunch of Ayn Randians over here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, she was a Darwinist. So yeah, I think I think you yeah. have to be a Darwinist if you're uh, a strong atheist, at least in the, in the last couple of centuries. Yeah, yeah. That's the one thing she took. She kept that from the Soviet Union. She she left the Soviet. Union. Amazing woman. What yeah. an amazing look at what she oh, did. Yeah. Look at such a look clear at mind. Be- yeah. 
It's amazing. Uh, yeah, she didn't shake the the atheism. I I I was being evaluated one time. Oh my gosh, Eval being evaluated as a professor. Oh lord. Uh, by students, you mean? <laughs> no, 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 no. By by the chair. Oh. The chair is like someone you never talk to. Well, at least in this particular school, I had a new chair. She would she taught political science. She was not in my uh, field opposite side politically shocker and she's mm -hmm. uh she's sitting she shows up to my ethics class at moorpark college and she's a nice lady i'm not not trying to you know she's fine she always treated me well and with respect and stuff like that so yeah. she sh shows up in my introduction to ethics class the fall of 2017 and this is at moorpark college which well, i probably should change the name of the the school yeah, let's it's, change it's, it. it's at Park Parkmore Park Parkmore College yeah, Parkmore mm -hmm. yeah I'm gonna change the name of this where's that at too. where's Parkmore at uh it's in it's in Moore Park California okay. all right yeah that's helpful yeah. I'm gonna change the name of the state too it's California there you go and uh well anyway Cal so Californication so she, so it's my lecture on egoism it just happened to be where she's gonna sit oh. in <laughs> And so I talked about Ayn Rand and, and I talked about how Democrats misunderstand the, the Republicans, uh, because at the time, this is just a few years after, uh, Paul Ryan was speaker and, uh, he might've been speaker. I can't remember when he was speaker exactly. But 2017, 2017, right? Whatever okay. after Trump got it. Yeah. And uh so he he had mentioned he, people were saying he was an ayn rand person he wasn't really a catholic and i was at loyola marymount and they were like he's not really a catholic catholics are communists like us and um <laughs> so i mentioned I, I just pointed out that this 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 argument that uh william f buckley jr and ayn rand had and, and they you know she really did not like him at all I believe it. I believe it. Yeah. And, and I said, it's because of the belief in God that that's yeah, the sure. issue. It's really, and she, so she left. So, you know, she became this amazing author in a different language, by the way, you, you, you go to yeah. Russia and make bestsellers in Russian. I mean, that's yeah. very difficult. And it's amazing what she was able yes. to do. And, and yet, but she kept her atheism from the Soviet Union. She kept the communists apart, the atheist part. And of course she's a survival of the fittest. What else is there there? You know, yeah. you know, the, the weak die and the strong survive. But and suddenly once you become human, when, when you become human, it's no longer survival of the fittest because private property, you're not allowed to trespass on somebody else's person. I mean, that was the heart of what she taught. Hmm. And like, well, there went Darwin immediately. Sounds like Genesis. It's surprisingly. Yeah. Yeah. How do you understand a taxation? Is all taxation wrong then? I think nope. that's a tough one. It depends on what we mean by it. I think if it's, um, I think income tax is an easier one to address because that truly is being extracted from you at gunpoint for something that you are for striving to survive and to build something. And which should be distinct from, I think, consumption taxes. We might be like, oh, I want that candy bar, but you could have chosen not to have that candy bar. So if you are going to choose a candy bar, here's the tax that goes with it. I think that that consumption tax is a different moral issue 
in general than the income tax. And the income tax is really the one that I have a beef with. So all taxes in general, I got to think about it more. But in, in general, the income tax to me is the, is the one that seems like a real moral problem. And it's not just a moral problem in how it's extracted. It's a moral problem in that it is taken from you and then spent on things that are also immoral. And it makes me wonder if I don't stand up to this, how culpable am I in actually dropping bombs on innocent children in the Middle East and, you know, and, and many, many other such examples. It's a, it's a tough one for me to wrestle with, with my conscience. I actually stay up at night thinking about this and it's not, it, it, it it's not something that just makes me angry. It's something that deeply concerns my conscience. Mm -hmm. And, and as a, as a victim of abuse in the past, and manipulations, it only just triggers it deeper because there's like residual. I have felt and seen this before. People trying to control you, manipulate you, and require things of you that don't belong to them. Yeah. Well, uh, it seems like the uh, the way things go is that's going to happen one way or the other. It's either going to be a is? foreign. Well, it's going to be a foreign power that does it or it's going to yes. be your own government. Yeah. And it does seem like that's the way it is. I don't think there's a, but I still want to be able to call both of them evil regardless. So do you, do you not think that you have a people like the people of the United States, what we're going to celebrate July 4th, that's a forming, forming a new government. Yeah. Do, I, do I don't not, know. I, do you not celebrate July 4th? I feel I have a lot of tension about July 4th because then I ask myself, what is it that I'm celebrating? You know, there's that distinction many people make. There's a difference between my country and my government. And to equivocate the two, I think, is is dangerous in our minds. And I think, too, that when we say, yeah, we're free, we're celebrating freedom. But you look around and be like, but we're not really free. We're not that free. And then the reply is always, well, we're more free than everybody else. <laughs> And I'm like, well, that's like the house slave saying I'm less of a slave than everybody else out in the fields. And it's just like that, those two things bother me. So for me, what I celebrate on July 4th, when I do celebrate, is the idea and to me, the uh, always going forward to try to attain that idea personally and then educate and spread it as I can in any nonviolent and loving way to say there's more to you than you realize. And you don't have to be treated like this anymore, or at least you could start to take ownership of your life more. And uh, and that's what July 4th for me is. You remember the Statue of Liberty holds up her torch, not to welcome immigrants. That's not why the Statue of Liberty was put there. That poem was put on there much later. The statue is there to broadcast liberty for the world. And it's saying what happened in America should happen everywhere else, not bring everywhere else to America. Her seven points represent this freedom should go out to the seven seas. And the artist was a Frenchman who wouldn't even give it to his own people. He wanted to give it to the nation that was actually fulfilling the experiment of what liberty was supposed to look like in the world. So when I think of the 4th of July, I think of that kind of representation. This is a Statue of Liberty moment every year. And if we celebrate it to me for the right things of what liberty could be and what our founding fathers were about, and try to live up to what even the Constitution is saying. That inspires me. I think that's great. I think I think about the people who are sac who sacrifice their own lives in order to live up to that ideal. 
But uh, I don't want to celebrate all the wrong things. That's for sure. And I think some of the wrong things kind of get meddled in there. And then you got the America people on one side and then the people who just want to trash the American experiment on the other side. So that's my that's the way I chart liberty through all that. Mm-hmm. How about you? How about you? I mean, you're a veteran, so you, you deal with this from a deeper perspective of actually being in the employ of the mission statement we're bringing trying to bring liberty and security for america and by proxy to the world mm-hmm. yeah uh maybe uh you mean about july 4th yeah july 4th yeah when you're on that side of the microphone the audience doesn't always get to hear your your views on things do they i i like july 4th uh i'm a i'm a partisan of July 4th. Um, I, I don't know that I have the outward signs of it in my context. I think, um, a lot of people might be very surprised if they saw how I really lived and what my life was really like. Yeah. Cause it doesn't fit any stereotype that they probably have. Sure. Like, uh, I I'm extremely patriotic. Um, but I don't have a flag anywhere on my property. Yeah. I am a gun owner and I take that very seriously, not only as uh, a responsibility to um, protect um, innocent life from harm, but also uh, to learn about and, and perpetuate the freedoms and all the education that goes along with that. And sometimes you have to actually have access to the things you need education about. You need to be able to hold it in your hand to truly be educated about what you're talking about. Um, For example, gun safety legislation is laughable when you know where the safety is on a gun because you held it in your hand. And so many people talking about gun safety legislation have never actually held something in their hand and they can't find a safety on there. Right. So when my students, for example, mention gun safety, I'll say, where's a safety on a Glock? It's the, it's one of the most po- popular uh, handguns in the, in the history of the world. Where's a safety right. on a Glock? And if they can't tell me, I said, your first thing you need to do is go over to LAX ammunition in Inglewood, hold a Glock in your hand and ask where the safety is. Then I will listen to you about gun safety legislation. I love it. I love it. Before you do that, I don't believe you. I just, you have no credibility with me whatsoever because Mm -hmm. you haven't, it's like talking to someone who wants to talk about history and they, they've never stepped foot in a library and held a book in their hand, you know? So, you know, it's like that. So, but you know, I work at a, a very small church. It's tiny. We're barely surviving. And it's very, it's a hard struggle here. Yeah. It's a hard time. So that's all I'll share about that. I don't think that's really what you're asking. Uh, we, I, I never, I never blow off fireworks on July 4th. I haven't for years, for mm-hmm. a long time, for decades. I have not. Yeah. We, we do it for the boys. Cause it's really fun for them to light them and run away. Yeah. Well, 
I enjoy watching other people do that with their families. One of my favorite things growing up was I had a, a paper route growing up and a thing about the paper route is you have to deliver it every day back in the day. That's how it was before okay. the internet and uh, July 5th would roll around and you'd find all of the, the unblown up fireworks. And I would have a mother mother load because we couldn't afford really? a lot of fireworks. We couldn't afford it. So the way I got my fireworks was being up at the butt crack of dawn on July 5th. And I would find bags full. Now they would have very short fuses. <laughs> so, because they were those are the ones that went out and then they couldn't find them in the dark and uh you know i you know so i would blow up anthills with that i had a great i had a gay old time yeah that's <laughs> and uh i tell my was... boys when the fireworks go off i said this is what the sounds of war is like this is what <laughs> war sounds like that's why yeah. we do this but yeah. isn't it so nice you could look up and be like let's be happy <laughs> yeah. underneath this yeah. I take pleasures in very simple things like books, for example. Yeah. Looking at a box of ammunition that was that has the word Sears on it because it was sold at Sears. Sure, yeah, yeah. Uh and I remember Sears and I kind of miss Sears. Actually, there's one left in Whittier. I don't know if you know that. Uh Really? There's a Sears in Whittier. Yeah. Sometimes I walk Whitwood in Mall? there. Yeah. Yeah, I believe I it's still series. there. I mean, I I was yeah. in there just like I think a year ago or whatever. I almost bought a pair wow. of jeans just to have the receipt, just in case it goes right. under. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I I um, that's your Fourth of July. The simple things, noticing yeah, the little things of meaning that you're able to have. Right. Most yeah. most countries in the world historically have not been able to. Have. Hmm. Like your own ammo. I mean, how how amazing is that? Yes, and you could get it at Sears. That's right. And I have I have a 22 ammo. I'm a big fan of 22 caliber. It's the smallest caliber, but I just, I like it for so many different reasons. The historical yeah. thing and and also just it's so convenient. Like if you ever had to go somewhere in a in like a Mad Max kind of thing, I think I would want a 22. Yeah. Because a 22 you can carry a lot of ammo with you and and it's relatively quiet if you're if you're a marksman you can get what do do what you need done whether it's um hunting or or self-defense or whatever but anyway um yeah i i spent a lot of time in the constitution um is that part of your july 4th celebration is actually reading the constitution or are you saying no, that not not you're... reading it i i i mean yeah. i did a did 20 years in grad school culminating in a PhD on constitutional law. That's what I mean. I spent, yeah, when yeah. I say I spent a lot of time, I mean hours every day in the law, law library and, and for years and teach, teaching life. it and stuff like that. And, um, sacrificing to do that a great cost mm -hmm. to do that. Mm -hmm. And, um, I really needed to know what, what I thought about it and what's true about it and when i see the constitution it it's it's a compromise document 
like every document is when you got people involved, people just don't see eye to eye. Yes, that's right. So, so they're, it's amazing to me. They were able to put that together and it's it's, all, yes, that's a negotiation miracle, right? Yeah. Yeah. And they, they wanted to separate the powers because they didn't trust the, the whole document is an expression of the fall and Genesis. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's not just the fall, it's the it's the creation and the image of God. It, you know, we're responsible, but we're also incapable of saving ourselves without God. Yeah. And we are stuck here because Jesus didn't come back. He didn't come back. We have the Holy Spirit here, but we don't have Jesus walking around with us anymore guiding us in in the day-to-day friendship like we had where we could talk to him and he could respond in Mm -hmm. in in a human language um and we could ask him questions so we we are um i you know i don't take this the wrong way but it feels like we're on our own to some extent Mm -hmm. and we are trying to figure this thing out and that's why we have politics and a lot of it is just trying to mitigate unimaginable evil. That's and so right. The, the celebration, I think, for a lot of people is if you're just aware of what the depths of evil are that you're trying to mitigate. Mm-hmm. And then in your very short attention span, you're happy about the <laughs> the uh, better, better part of that. Yeah, uh, so, I'm with you on that. And it's celebrating the decentralization of power. So then things go bad, they go bad small. Right. And you can fix it, but it's very difficult to fix. Yeah. Like a lot of these founding fathers. I mean, there there was slavery at the time they were born. Yeah. And what are you going to do about it? Yeah. Realistically, what are you going to do? You know, like, like, uh, Paul Johnson has a wonderful book on George Washington mm-hmm. and he just recently died. And I required that book in my American founding course at Azusa Pacific university. And, and he tried, he wanted to free his slaves. He wasn't able to do it until he died legally. And yeah. you also have to think, you know, I think Paul Johnson does a wonderful job of this. He um, free them to what? That's right. You know, so you're freeing them. Okay, but what are they going to get? They're going to go down and get a job at the hardware store. I mean, that that's not how it worked back then. Yeah. Um, they one third of his slaves were unable to work. They were sick. They were old. They were kids. Um, he was taking care of them. So freeing them would mean that he doesn't have any responsibility for these people that would die, you know? So, so that's the situation. Just trying to get my kids to, to just step, you know, step into that world and and think about what it was like. And, um, there were people that were way too callous about slavery and way too comfortable. And there were people that were very uncomfortable, but they're trying to start a nation and uh, there were pressing things like, for example, a major world power with a huge navy called England. Mm-hmm. 
and that was a huge threat and so was spain and so was france eventually um and you know you got other problems with indians and uh so that's why i call them indians because i want to try to you know that's the legal term and that's the term that the founders used and and uh to this day you drive down the highway and you'll see signs for morongo indian reservation that's the word the biden administration has the bureau of indian affairs that's the word and I, the reason i do that is because i want to get my students to stop thinking that they're good people because they change a word and they say native american instead indian i i say that does not make you a good person because first of all, I'm Native American. I'm not born anywhere else. <laughs> I'm born in Colorado. I'm a native Colorado. Colorado is in America. I'm Native American. You still have to distinguish things and you know That's right. avoiding certain terms, you know, doesn't make you a good person. And it just, you know, it's just your excuse for having a low attention span. So anyway. I have, you know, we have these conversations and, and I really want them to actually use their mind instead of looking around going, am I a good person? I'm a good person. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay, right. great. That's all I wanted today. I'm going to go play video games and look at my phone and be addicted yeah. to porn and all the horrible things that kids have to deal with these days. I can't, I just cannot imagine, but to circle back to in a Jen Pisaki kind of way back to July 4th. <laughs> uh, I'm a, I'm a fan. I'm especially a fan of, of the way they wrote the declaration of independence. Mm -hmm. All men are created equal. They're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, such as life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And, all of those, the rest of the document is listing out the tyrannical specifics of, of King George and, uh, and England. And I, you know, it's an anti-slavery document. I'm personally mm -hmm. against slavery, mm -hmm. me personally. And um, so does that help? <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. So just as long as we're clear, we're not celebrating any political parties for the 4th of July, we're celebrating something bigger than that. Well, uh, no, I, I do celebrate the Republican Party. Um, you do? Yeah, because I don't look at it as something smaller. I don't look at it. I, I look mm -hmm. at that as an essential part of the story. And here's why. Although the founders didn't like political parties, like, and that's not changed. Most people hate political parties. That's not changed. But the founders were naive in the sense that they didn't see it coming. And sure. it, it was a surprise in the 1790s when political parties formed almost immediately. And I mean, you, you should have been able to see it just even in the ratification debates, like, okay, you have the federalists. Sure. Uh, one of the best courses I took in, in my PhD program uh, was from Charles Kessler, who was a guest on this. Mm. 
yes. uh, podcast last year, and he uh, has a wonderful edition at the Signet Classic of the Federalist. So I think it's the best-selling uh, Federalist in print. And I think uh, I had that one in in dig- on Kindle. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've he got, wrote like the forward to it. He edited it. Yeah, I, I require it in course my courses on the Congress and on American founding and um and um and I learned a lot from Kessler. He's a wonderful teacher for that material. It's cool to see his name on on the the copy, mm-hmm. and I have multiple copies, and they're all falling apart. And I bring those copies in. I don't have it on Kindle. I bring the actual book in, and they yeah, can see yeah, it's yeah. falling apart. And I say, I bought this new, by the way. And I love the, what I love about it is it's got a copy of the Declaration of Independence. It's got a copy of the Articles of Confederation. It's got a copy of the Constitution and it's got a cop and it's collated by by page with the text where they talk about it, because the Federalist is all about defending the Constitution, the proposed Constitution mm-hmm. to like people that did, were on the fence or worried about it, like the anti-Federalists. OK, mm-hmm. well, right there, you can see the beginning of political party. Yeah, because you have some people that want the Constitution and then you have other people that don't. Yeah. And uh, it's just it's just human nature. And then right. I mean, you have Madison and Hamilton on the same page, but really soon in George Washington's administration, you have a split between Madison and Hamilton and just Mm -hmm. read the the Pacificus Helvidius debates. It happens all all of a sudden. Pacificus Helvidius debates. Liberty Fund has a great book, uh, Pacificus Helvidius debates. And you can see, okay, Jefferson and Madison are going over here. Hamilton is going over here with, with George Washington. And there's the Federalists versus the Democrat Republicans. And the Democrat Party goes back to the Jeffersonian, the, mm-hmm. the modern one, the modern one. I mean, it doesn't usually that people say the modern Democrat Party goes back to Andrew Jackson. But the sure. roots of it, I think, are are there. In the opposition to the Federalists and the mm-hmm. Federalists, you can kind of see that going into the Republican Party. Yeah, I think. But and the Republican Party ended slavery. And, and mm-hmm. you know, I, it's it's amazing to me that, you know the students have a huge problem with slavery and that's why they don't like the founders. So I always, I always say, okay, well, but you, if you, if you fold in the Republican party, you can have the end of slavery too. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what the Republican party was about. I think that's what it still is about. And it makes my job very difficult on the Republican professor because, um, yeah, it's um, p- people like to hate political party, but they also can't deny that it, slavery would st- would s- slavery doesn't exist anymore because of the Republican Party, mm-hmm. and um, and it's not just something that was back then; it's something that's right now. Um, it's, it's so obvious. So it's so obvious to me. 
It's not so that you it's take the perfect. Republicans when you come to the Fourth of July. You take the Republicans as in fulfilling in many ways mm-hmm. what was set in motion by the Constitution and the mm-hmm. and the Declaration. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can yeah. see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. It's all part of the same story. It's so I I mean a part of the biblical background. You'll be, be able to appreciate this. Mm-hmm. Is you know reading the Bible I think has helped me see American politics and in, in a fresh mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm able to see the whole story at once. Sure. And, and I think I, I see it accurately. I don't see every part clearly or accurately probably, but, but just like the old Testament is a huge story, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it's quite a bit. That's why you're giving such a gift to your kids. You know, when you, have them drill down to the uh, the beginning and get those details right because then they can really appreciate the rest of the story not just and they notice when some they notice when something else comes up later in a story they know exactly why it's significant huh. whereas if you were just to open up judges and see some bad behavior you might be like okay okay I and mean, it doesn't sound that great but you're like <laughs> yeah. yeah but if you knew moses you'd be like that's your death sentence bro you <laughs> don't even go there you know, and you have the audible gasp, uh-oh, this is bad news. But you only get it by knowing the story. Yeah, and having an emotional reaction to it. Like the emotional reaction I have when I see that Moses 